This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hi, this is Michelle Nagel. I'm so glad that you have joined us again for Roar to Win. Today's podcast expert um, is Danielle Isaacs, and I'm really excited about the information that Danielle's got to share with us today. Um, her chosen area of focus is resilience, and she's got a <clears throat> excuse me, she's got a really wonderful angle on that that I'm excited to share. So let me tell you a little bit about Danielle. She's a sought-after speaker and number one best-selling author of the books Energized and Empowered Leadership. And as a premiered success coach, her focus is to empower professionals with strategies to feel more fulfilled, energized, and successful in work and life. She's frequently featured as a guest speaker on podcasts, radio shows, and stages throughout the U.S. Known as the Queen of Clarity and Implementation, Danielle helps people who are frustrated and burnt out break through the barriers holding them back from having a career and life they absolutely love. So welcome, Danielle, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So why did the topic of resilience resonate with you? Uh, You know, for me, I started out in the eight to five job. So working Monday through Friday, eight to five, I was a sales manager working for a large corporation. But while I was there, I felt this itch to do something else. It was um, like this need, like I felt like I was meant for something more, right? Um, meanwhile, I have this, this job that I'm working, like many of us that I'm holding down, where uh, I also am feeling like I'm, I'm really struggling to just get through day-to-day life. And so I have a, a perfect example of when I was heading home and, and I was going to pick up my daughter uh, from daycare. She was in kindergarten at the time. And... Um, she comes running up to me and she says, mommy, mommy, guess what? And I said, what, honey? She says, I get to go on a field trip. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. It's her first field trip, right? And I think this would be amazing to be with her on this first field trip because parents can go as chaperones. Problem is my calendar is too crazy and I have very limited time off. And so there's some of these things I can do, but many of them that I have to say no to. And so I turn to her and I say, I'm sorry, honey, but mommy really can't go. And that was really hard, not only to see her expression on her face, but also just to know that this was kind of a moment of truth. I could continue to stay the course of where I was, or I could change course and I could follow my heart, which was to work for myself, have my own business, and uh, have more freedom and flexibility to be home with her. Um, So for me, you know, resilience speaks to me because it took resilience to be able to really switch out of this career that I had that I've been building up over 20 years and transitioning into owning my own business, which I knew nothing about. (laughs) It was, it was a rough road, but resilience is, you know, simply just being able to, to keep going, even though there was many times I wanted to give up. Okay. And so why did you build your business around resilience? Well, my, I've helped a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of other women who are kind of in my position, either level up 
and move into a position where they do have greater influence or are more appreciated or feel like they have greater impact or they decide to move out and do something like I did, which is move into your own business. Well, either of those takes a certain amount of tenacity, right? To really want to, um, you have to work past a lot of that inner voice inside that tells you to hold back and do what, you know, do what needs to be done to really step into that greater role. And so when I'm working with clients, it's a lot about helping them build the resilience to step out and take the actions they need to take to move up or move out. Okay. <clears throat> so what difference does it make when you embraced your resilience? How did that change your life? <laughs> well, for me, there were so many times that I wanted to give up. Uh, I wasn't finding clients in the very beginning for the first few years that I started my business. I'd get a few clients, um, but not a lot. I wasn't making very much money. Um, I felt like uh, I was failing at every turn. There was a lot of times where I was just like, clearly, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to running a business. And there were many times where I thought about giving up and going back to work. Um, because it was scary not to have a regular paycheck. So, you know, after month after month of feeling like I was failing and um, feeling like I, I wasn't getting this, maybe I wasn't meant to do this, maybe I wasn't meant to own my own business, I started to take on this new attitude, which was either I'm going to do this or I'm going to have to go back to work. Like I either I need to just push and make this thing happen, like birth this baby, or I need to just give up and go back and call it quits on my dream or maybe re regroup and start again. Well, the thought of going back to work and, and going back to the life that I had before was a very hard pill for me to swallow. So I said, you know what, what I'm going to choose is just to do whatever it takes. And that was that do or die attitude of no matter what happens, no matter how, how many times I fail, how many times I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm on the wrong road, I'm just going to keep swinging. I'm just going to keep trying. And I know at some point that it's going to, it's going to happen. I just need to stay the course. So I did. I failed many times. Fell, I call my clients to tell them it's like falling flat on your face. You just get back up again. <laughs> I did that many times. But what I found every time that I fell on my face and got back up is that I'd learned something. I was growing, that I was getting stronger and I was becoming more confident. So where did you find what did you find that was um, your ability to get up off the floor? You're, so you're, you're flat on your face. Why didn't you just lay there? There were, there were some times that I did <laughs> for a day or two after my pity party, you know. But then there was other times where it's like the dream, the dream that I had to be able to be a stay-at-home mom and the dream to be able to work from home and the dream to be able to positively influence other people's lives, the dream to be a speaker and an author kept calling to me, it kept beckoning me to get back up again and try again. So, you know, I could have laid on the floor and I did lay on the floor for some days, you know, and then I said, you know what though, that dream... I'm going to go get that dream. <laughs> I'm going to make this thing happen no matter what it takes. So I would get back up and try again. And just it was just enough to get back up and try that one more time. Right? That's all the energy that I needed was to try again. And then, you know, then I would fall back down again. But I just need enough energy to get back up one more time. And it was one step at a time. Right? Right. So how did you find that energy? Because I know many people um, struggle with um, 
maybe I should quit. There's, because there's not only the voices in our own head, there's also the voices outside our head of the people that we know maybe in relationships with that they tell us that, that we can't do this. We're failing. It's not going to work. And it's, it's hard to ignore all that. So how do you tell the difference between it really is a bad idea and I just need to get up and try again? Well, I don't think that any idea is a bad idea in that if you've tested the idea, um, if you've tested the idea and it causes you to grow, if, if it's aligned with your core values, if it's something that ignites you, you're excited about, you love it. Um, if it's something that brings you life and it also has good in it for others, then that is the dream worth pursuing and it will work out. It has no other way to be, right? And and as long as you stay the course, you hold that vision of what you want, you stay the course and you go after it. So this has been a philosophy I've been studying for a long time. So I knew that. I had faith in that, that this was something I was supposed to be doing. This was the dream I was supposed to be bringing into the world. Uh, I just didn't know when I was going to, you know, how long it was going to take for me to actually start to bring this dream to fruition. I also learned to your question to tune out the other people like becoming a speaker mm -hmm. and podcaster or author, you have to get really good about tuning out what other people think of you. And that was part of the evolution and the growth that I had to learn too, was I realized that one of my tendencies was to be a people pleaser as is true for most of us females, right? Right. And, and people in general, but women especially. And so I recognized that a lot of times I wasn't going out there and doing what I needed to do because I was so worried about what other people would think of me. And uh, like getting on stage and what, you know, wondering what was going through people's minds. And so I was so worried about what was going through their minds. I wasn't in my heart. Uh -huh. you know, when I was connecting with the audience. And so in order to better connect with people and help people, I had to learn to let go of what they might think mm -hmm. and just trust that the message that I was sharing needed to be heard by some. You know, it didn't have to necessarily be everyone in that audience, but there were some people that really needed to hear that message that day. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that because um, you're right. We do like to please people. We don't want to be judged. Um, it's it's really a difficult thing. Um, so did you, in your personal life, did you have naysayers or did you, were you find yourself supported? Um, in the beginning, when I first started this journey, I felt like I had a lot more naysayers. And what I will also say about that is they were reflecting the uncertainty inside of me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, as I built up my own belief in the vision, the dream that I had, the direction that I wanted to go, the naysayers started to fall away um, or became quieter. And they also had less impact on me because the certainty within me was stronger, right? So it was stronger than their influence on me. So what happened was over time, as I built up the belief in myself, meaning keeping the positive thoughts, I am going in the right direction, I am on the right path. You know, as I built up that belief in myself, what happened is I started to attract more supporting people in my life, right? Everything's first a thought before a thing and everything's energy, everything's a vibration. So when we stay in a positive resonance state, we start attracting in people who are also in a positive resonance state. So even my husband, I watched a huge shift in him where he became more and more loving and supportive as this process went on 
And so when I did slip into self-doubt or worry, he was right there to lift me back up again, which was critical. It was huge. Yeah. I couldn't have done it without that sort kind of support, you know, at least one person on my side. Yeah, absolutely. That's really important. So, um, so you, you have mentioned when we had a conversation, you talked about resistance. So what is resistance versus resilience? Yeah, so what I learned through this whole process was to pay attention to my resistance. So let me give you a quick example of what resistance feels like <laughs> so people can recognize what resistance is. So resistance is when, we, when we're feeling, like say we wanna, we wanna be doing something. So I'm gonna say in this case, I know that in order to grow my business, one of the things I need to do is go out and speak or be on podcasts or radio shows. But there are times where I just don't feel like doing that. Mm -hmm. And and that's true for all of us, right? Getting out there and being seen in, in front of the public eye, we will feel resistance. And so I might just feel like I don't really, I just don't want to do this. There's something about this I just don't want to do. But when, and resistance is the thing that basically is holding us back from taking the steps we need to take, mm -hmm. taking the actions we need to take to grow our own lives, our marriage, our job, whatever it is. And so when I recognize when I'm feeling resistance and we, and I work with my clients on this too, what we do is we recognize we can dig in and say, why am I feeling like I don't want to do this? What, what's causing me to feel that way? And you can even attach it to an emotion, right? So you might say, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling worried or I'm feeling scared. And then you can ask yourself, why am I feeling anxious, worried, or scared? And what you'll uncover is the dialogue that's going on in your head telling you this isn't going to work out. This is a bad idea. People aren't going to like it. I might say the wrong thing. All of those like insecurities that we have are, are like niggling at the back of our mind, our subconscious thoughts that are just running the tape back there. And we don't really recognize it until we ask, what is causing me to feel this way? Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of bring it out to the surface, we can go, oh, no wonder why I'm so anxious or nervous about going on speak because I'm telling myself I'm going to fail. It's going to be terrible. You know, people are going to hate it, right? And, and when we look at that, we can go, oh, okay. Well, now that we brought it conscious, we now have an opportunity to shift it into being much more a positive story, a much more uplifting story, a much more encouraging story of, you know what, it's going to be just fine. There are going to be people who really appreciate this. You know, it's going to be fun to get out there and speak. And we can just use languaging to shift things around so that we can actually be excited about the opportunity and actually take the step, right? Actually get on the show or, or whatever, right? Or, or write the book or get on the stage. We just need to learn tools and strategies to shift when we're in, recognize when we're in resistance and then shift it. So we're actually moving now into resilience, meaning I, I am just going to continue taking steps forward no matter what it takes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, we're going to take a small break. So we'll be back with you in just a moment. Our guest is Danielle Isaacs and I'm really excited that she's here. So stay tuned and come right back. 
Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. This is Roar to Win with Michelle Nagel and Danielle Isaac. And she's been, Danielle has been giving us some really, really wonderful insight into the difference between resistance versus resilience. And I really appreciate the last um, things that you were saying about how you take your clients deep so that they can begin to understand what is underneath their resistance when they don't want to do something. So, um, can you tell us what do people do to start overcoming their resistance? I, you said they have to identify it because obviously you have to name the demon in order to slay it. But um, once you name it, what do you do besides just look at it and go, oh, <laughs> you know, how do you move past that? Yeah, I think there's, there's lots of different tools. One of them, um, I just did the practice this morning because when I woke up this morning, I was feeling um, I first noticing the feeling I'm not feeling positive. I'm not feeling, uh, you know, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling stressed. And then what I did was when, when we're in, when we're, we're starting to work with this, we tend to, to be in a anxious, worried, um, scared, nervous, stressed out state on a regular basis, because we've been doing this a long time. These thoughts have been running a very long time subconsciously. And so it takes a while to actually start to um, recognize, first of all, when this is happening and then learn how to override it, which we'll talk about in just a second. But what, the main thing is we've got to be forgiving with ourselves because one of the things that happens is, is people, as they start to notice their feelings, and then the thoughts that are associated with them, then the next thing they want to do is beat themselves up about it. And like, oh God, I should know better. Why am I doing this to myself, right? And they, and they start to guilt themselves for, for having these thoughts. Well, first of all, it's human to have these thoughts. Uh, everybody has them. And I don't care what level you're at, everybody's got them. So we just need to be patient with ourselves, understanding and compassionate with ourselves that, that these are just normal part of life. And then the second piece is, is what I find one strategy that's really beneficial, the one that I used this morning, was I actually um, wrote out the thoughts that I was thinking that was causing me to be stressed. You don't always have to do this, but this, is a, this, this particular strategy always works for me and the clients that I've worked with. So, for example, I wrote, um, I am feeling anxious and nervous. What if the podcast doesn't go well? What if I'm on the wrong track? What if I make a mistake? right? What if, what if I say something stupid or, you know, what if there's lots of things that we think and we don't want to filter. We just want to put it out on paper so we can see what we're actually thinking and get to know our, our inner thoughts. Right. And so I just kind of put all these thoughts down on paper so that I could look at them. And then for me, I can look at them and go, these are all thoughts that are like limiting thoughts. They're all fear-based thoughts. They're all thoughts about how I'm going to make mistakes. Not, there's nothing empowering about these thoughts, right? And so you can actually take a look at them and you can see when after you get them out on paper, these are all thoughts 
about how things are not going to work for you rather than empowering thoughts that are about how they it is going to work out for you well whatever you're thinking is what you're going to experience so if you're expecting bad outcomes that's what you're going to experience probably because you've already made up your mind that's how it's going to go so there's an opportunity now to go i don't want this to play out in my reality mm -hmm. yeah. right the thought precedes the action so yes right so it's like i better i better shift this right i better turn this into a more positive story it needs to be it needs to feel believable to you so you could say instead of saying i you can leave i'm feeling anxious and nervous alone but you could actually shift that and you could say i'm starting to feel a little bit better i uh, what if the podcast instead of what if the podcast doesn't go well you could say what if the podcast does go well right right or what if i'm on the wrong track simply shift it and say what if i'm on the right track what if I am taking the right steps? What if this is the exact step I need to be taking at this moment in time? What do you do about the little voice in the back of your head that when you ask those questions, um, for example, what if I'm on the wrong track and then it makes some sort of snotty comment to you? What do you do with that? Like what? Did one pop in your head? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay, give me an example. Oh, well, you know, it's just like, Sometimes, I, I long time ago, I listened to, uh, a, there's a song that Kermit the Frog sings that says, who do you think you're fooling? Yeah, right, sure. And that song plays in my head all the time when I try to replace a negative thought with a positive one. So I can do this. It comes back and says, no, you can't. You tried before. It doesn't work. Right. So, you know, so there's the, that constant negative chatter back here. Or like you said if you're you know getting ready to get up on stage you go up there and you go I can do this I got this and it's like well don't trip make sure you don't trip on the way out there and you know all right. of it and your mouth is not going to work right and your brain and your tongue are not going to engage and it just the negativity that we program ourselves with all our entire lives is so hard to get rid of oh yeah it yeah. is because you have to retrain your brain right yes exactly so yeah so my i guess my example or my question was is how do you tone it down if you've got a sarcastic voice back there that tells you every time you tell yourself a positive something it will it'll fire right back with a negative one right you know one of the things that i found that works really well with that is phrasing it in in a question Okay. So, you know, instead of saying, you know, like if the voice says, you're going to walk out on that stage, you're probably going to trip and fall on your face, you know, <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to trip and fall on my face. Well, to your point that your head just told you you are, and now you're trying to argue that you're not. And what, you know, what proof that you do you have that you're going to walk smoothly across the stage? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but what I find is you can use questions because what you want to do is you're, you get your brain to think about another possibility. Okay. So when I, and if you, instead of saying that, um, like, what if the podcast doesn't go well? Let's say it's just a statement that your brain says, Oh, you're going to screw this podcast up. It's going to go bad, you know, and that's the thought. You can you can now say a question. What if it what if I don't screw it up? What if it doesn't go bad? And it actually causes your brain to rethink it. It goes, Oh, huh. What if? Right? <laughs> and then it's just right that you're like your brain can't argue with a question. 
Wonderful. That's that's a really good point. Thank you so much. So why do your brains to try to talk you out of what you're trying to tell yourself, though? You know, our, our brains are, um, we have three trillion neural pathways that we have been developing since we were kids. So these are the, you have synapses in your brain. And every time you think a thought, the thought creates a neural trail. And that little trail, if you keep thinking that same thought becomes etched, it becomes deeper. So instead of like when the first time you think a thought, um, it's like, creating a little gravel trail, you know, or a little dirt road. It's like when somebody's carving a new path in the woods, you know, it's just, it's hardly there. But the more that you think that thought, the more it starts to etch a cleaner path. And pretty soon you have a super highway in your brain. And so you start to think that thought more efficiently. In fact, you think it's so efficiently that now it's a habit of thought and you're not even aware it's there. It's now subconscious. Well, most of our, our thoughts, neural pathways were formulated when we were kids. The majority, I think over 90% were formulated by the age of 12. So the thoughts that we're thinking, the beliefs that we have are all old, most of them old. We, we developed them at a young. So what we have to learn to do is we actually have to start recognizing, first of all, we've got thoughts that are just fine. We can leave them alone and beliefs that are just fine because they're serving us in some way. I mean, having that is it keeps us makes things easier like knowing how to drive to work <laughs> we don't have to think about it right? right but there are also certain thoughts and beliefs that don't serve us well and that they keep us stuck they keep us stuck in some situation that we're not happy in so for in my example that i shared in, in the beginning was i was stuck in a job where i wasn't feeling fulfilled anymore but i didn't know how to get out and it was actually my belief system that was actually keeping me stuck because i didn't believe that i could get a better job or that i could run my own business or that i could be successful at what i'm doing today so we've got what we call comfort zone thinking our brain likes to keep us safe and our brain likes to keep us safe because a life is a lot easier if we just know how to do something we don't have to think about it like getting in our car and driving to work the same route every day makes life way easier for us but also our brain perceives anything new as risk so anytime we try to do something that uh, is new it's deemed as scary and our brain starts to come up with stories to talk us out of doing that something now. So a quick example um, that I've been using with my clients lately, just so they can uh, really get this, is if you, if you haven't done skydiving before, probably just the thought of skydiving scares the heck out of you. Right. <laughs> because you're like, ah, bad things could happen. I could, you know, fall out of the plane. What the chute doesn't open? What if something goes wrong? And our brain starts to, like, give us this whole series of thoughts that talks us out of even getting on the airplane right mm -hmm. and we don't know if that's really what's going to happen but our brain has decided that this is a very bad idea and it starts pulling out all the stocks to talk us out of getting on getting on that plane well the people who've done skydiving tons of times before We'll go, are you kidding? Like this for them, it's no big deal because they've done it so many times now. You know, this is an easy thing for them. They're like, oh my God, there's all these safety maneuvers we do and we have special equipment and we check it three times and we've got all these safety instruction and they'll give you the whole other side of the story of why skydiving is perfectly fine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, uh, whenever we step into new territory, our brain's going to do everything it can to talk us out of doing it. It's just hands down what's what it's trained to do because it wants to keep us safe. 
Okay. So when you figure out that you're telling yourself that story, what do you do? Well, I would, first of all, go talk to people who have done skydiving before, for example, okay. and have not done it just once, <laughs> right? but have actually done it several times. And you could say, what has been your experience with skydiving? And they would say, well, you know what? I love it. Here's the things I love about it. I love how it feels. It feels like I'm free falling. It feels like I'm flying. It's just the most amazing experience I've ever had. And, and you know, it's just, it's the most energizing activity I like the first few times I do it I'm like I can't believe I'm doing this it's so empowering and and they'll help you see another side to skydiving that you had haven't even considered before all you've been thinking about is how scary it will be and they're telling you how wonderful it would be so it starts to open your mind up to new possibility and then the second thing you have to do while they're telling you that is you need to tell your mind stay open to it because your brain's going to start countering everything that this other person's telling you about this great experience. It's going to be like, yeah, but I could die. Yeah, but, you know, and it's going to, yeah, but everything this, you know, this person's telling you, and which means you're going to shut your mind down to the possibility of doing this. So what you want to do is start to retrain your brain by saying, stay open to it. Whenever you're talking to somebody and they're sharing a new idea or insight, something that you're curious about, stay curious, stay open, just listen. You don't have to go skydiving, just listen to, hmm, this, maybe this would be kind of cool to do someday. Like just open up to the possibility that it could be something you might want to do. Okay, so have you done skydiving? I have not done. My, <laughs> you know where my stretch was? Uh, was it last year I did scuba diving. Okay. Which scared the living, you know, out of me. But I, I was so, it, to me it was my stretch to do scuba diving because I was so afraid of water when I was a kid. Uh -huh. so it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I actually think I have that in my book, that story. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, it, it is. For me, the first time I went snorkeling, that was bad enough. So I was scuba diving, I think would be even more. Yeah. Um, because, because I have that same, that just the terror of I can't breathe. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's wonderful. Yeah. So I guess it says the enthusiasm that you talk about skydiving, that might be your next adventure. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to have to stretch myself into the, the, the flight, right? I did the water. Now it's like, let's get into the air. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did hot air ballooning two years ago, which was my stretch, and I loved it. It was amazing. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. So, so why do we have to change our beliefs? Why can't we just stay the way we are and still accomplish good things? Oh, I love that question. Um, we, we don't have to change our beliefs. We can stay right where we are. Um, what happens, though, is that we tend to feel um, stifled, um, a little bit bored, a little bit stuck, because our natural way of being is to stretch into more, doing more things that we enjoy, do things that bring us life, do things that... Um, do stretch us a little bit um, and are a little bit scary. We don't need a lot of bit scary, but just a little bit because that's what invigorates us. Um, I've seen people who don't take any risk or don't do anything that stretches them. And what I see is that, um, like you can even see it in their face, and I'm sure, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like they're, they're, there's no life in them. There's no aliveness in them anymore. They are just going through the motions of life. Uh, and it's, it's become mundane, it's become repetitive, it's become kind of boring, they've become complacent. 
And so the only antidote to that, a lot of my people are burnt out. Uh -huh. they're, they're physically exhausted and tired because they've allowed themselves to stay in that state for too long like I had. Mm -hmm. And um, the antidote to, for example, burnout is to actually go out and do things that energize you. Well, that means get out of the house and get off of the couch, even though your brain's telling you to stay on the couch because you're too tired to do anything. You need to start doing some things to get off that couch. And, you know, that might be to go for a short walk or a short bike ride or something you enjoy. But we've you got to start turning it around by taking baby steps towards what you ultimately w would love, which is to feel better, right? And to feel happier and, and feel more joy and feel more aliveness. So you've got to start baby stepping towards that. That's the only antidote. And at first, your brain's going to try to talk you out of it. But you, you've got to kind of learn to override that and take those steps anyway, do it anyway. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, so glad I did this, right? <laughs> so glad I went for a walk today. Feels so good to be outside and get fresh air, for example. Absolutely. We're going to take another short break. And then we'll come back with Danielle Isaacs and more about resistance versus resilience and all of her great insights. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel at Roar to Win with Danielle Isaac, our guest. So I keep putting an S on the end. Is there an S or not? There is not. A lot of people put an Isaac. S at the end. Okay. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Um, okay. So we've been talking about um, resistance and overcoming that resistance in order to build resilience, but that sounds like so much work. So how, what's the fastest and easiest way to do that? What can we do to jumpstart? Well, you know, it's actually counterintuitive, meaning most of us wouldn't necessarily jump to this conclusion or really understand the importance of it. But the best way to jumpstart is actually to get out and do things that energize you or are fun things that like, almost like you don't need an excuse to do it, except for that you're right now probably really good at talking yourself out of it. <laughs> but figuring out the things that you enjoy the most. So for me, I mentioned bike riding. I love that. Um, I, I let go of that habit or that, that activity for a very long time uh -huh. um, because I was too busy, right? A lot of us are like, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I've got to clean the house. And we've got the laundry list of things we got to do. Uh, and we allow those to become the highest priority rather than doing the things that are actually going to help turn everything around, which is doing things that feel good. Uh 
So in the case of like for me, bike riding, I would for you create a list of the things that you enjoy doing that you're not allowing yourself to do right now. And I would start to make at least one of those your priority to start doing that at least once, twice, maybe three times a week, whatever you can get yourself to. And also you could do five minute bike ride. You could do a 10 minute bike ride, like pick whatever you know you're most likely to follow through with. And do those things that bring you joy and life and upliftment because what will happen is you will feel better. And when you feel better after that activity, you'll, you get the, the dopamine rush, right? Where you've, you've got the actual positive chemicals going in your body, the happy chemicals. Right. Um, and also you're coming from this upliftment state, which now you will feel more motivated to do more things, more things that are in alignment with what you love doing, which is like spending times with your kids. You know, now you're in a better mood. So now you're going to have more positive interactions with them, or you're going to have more positive interaction with your husband or your wife, you know, because you're coming from a better state of mind. So actually, you don't actually have to counter the thoughts. That's one method. You can actually counter the feelings of feeling tired or frustrated or stressed by, by creating better feelings, you know, and the way you do better, create better feelings is to actually get out and do things you enjoy. Dancing, jazzercise, singing to the radio, going to the movies, giving yourself permission to do things like that that uplift you will naturally start to shift your state of mind and you will start to feel better right away and you will start to create momentum towards feeling better on a more regular basis. What if you don't know what you like to do? Well, then I would grab somebody and brainstorm with them, a friend that you trust or a loved one, and just say, what are some of the things that you love to do? And I would notice that the wording that I'm using, which is love, not like, it's okay to go like, but we want you to really do things that really bring you life, really bring you joy. So you can start asking yourself the question, what would I love? Would I love to go bike riding? Would that be kind of fun? Maybe you don't have a bike, but maybe you can rent a bike, you know, downtown or something. Or you could say, would I, would I love to go on a canoe ride? And you might think, I've always wanted to go on a canoe ride, but I don't have a canoe, right? And it's like, okay, go find a place that has a canoe or call a friend that you know has a canoe, you know? It's like, go do that, you know? But the question, what would I love, is such a powerful question. Just practicing asking that. Because we, most of us women, have never asked ourselves, what would we love, have we? No, most of us have been taking care of everybody else for our entire lives. Exactly. Exactly. And that is such a powerful way to fall back in love with ourselves and to fall back in love with life is to really say, what do I love? What brings me life? What brings out the best in me? And all kinds of, just allow ideas to pop into your mind. And, um, and then circle one and go do it for the day. Thanks. That's wonderful. So what's been the most severe case of resistance that you've seen and how did you help them overcome them? Well, I had this client that, um, she, she was a severe case and that by when she first started working with me, she had three different jobs. 
She hadn't taken a vacation in over seven years. She lived in a house that she wasn't her own. It was her husband's from a previous marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, it needed a ton of work before they could sell it. And it was eating them alive because of the mortgage costs. They couldn't afford it wasn't sustainable, which was why she was working so long. So she was a great case of somebody who never allowed herself to actually go out and enjoy life. She worked from, she would get ready at 7 a.m. and she would work till 10 o'clock at night. And she would do this seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we first started working with her, or when I first started working with her, I started to help her just start to fall back and and with the question of what would I love, right? We just started a practice of what would I love and what would you love your life to look like three years from now? What kinds of things would you love to be doing? What kind of work would you love to be doing? What kind of house would you love to be living in? And we just envisioned all of that out together and we wrote that down on paper. And then what we started to do is go to work piece by piece on what's the next step you can take towards this dream, you know, that you have this through your vision. And she might come up with a simple idea, you know, in the beginning, small ideas. Well, I I, I love to go swimming. I would love to go swimming, you know, at the, and I said, well, how can you do that? And she said, well, there's a pool at my apartment complex. I could go there. And I said, great, let's, let's start there. You know, and then later on, it's like, what else would, you know, would take you towards your dream? And she'd say, well, I'm really, this job is really burning me out. And I said, well, what can we do to start moving away from this job, right? Because you've got three. (laughs) What can we do? What will it take for us to start moving away from this job? And of course, she had resistance to leaving that job, which is why she was still there. There was all these worries about what would happen when she had that conversation with her boss about not wanting to be there anymore. And so we would work through how to well what if you could have that be a good experience and what if that could be a positive conversation with them and and what might that sound like and we were able to really help her think through that you know situation so she could actually take the step so in the end what ended up happening is she was able to let go of those jobs that were really hard for her to go to every day they were no longer a joy they were draining her Uh, we were able to get her to start doing things like exercise and swimming we were able to help her get past all the pain in her feet that she'd had. She hadn't been able to wear flip-flops in years, but now she's wearing flip-flops, you know. She's let go of the house that was driving her crazy and eating her alive financially, and she moved into a house that she loves more. It has more space. Her father-in-law has moved in with her. Um, she's, I mean, it's night and day where she was when we first started working to where she is now. And the key was just baby stepping her through that process to where she was able to work through all those action steps that she needed to take and overcome the resistance along the way. So uh, you've very clearly identified for us how resistance prevents us from doing what we want to do and, and moving on in our dreams and everything. But what does it take to be resilient Yeah, so resilience, um, she's a perfect case of resilience because resilience is that you're consistently overcoming the resistance and taking action. We know that taking one action or two action, let's say that we want a physically fit body, we know that we can't just work out once or twice and then all of a sudden, ah, you know, we've got this gorgeous body. I know. It's like, it's about consistency, right? Yeah. And, and actually, once you kind of get going in there and you're doing it on a regular basis, you start to develop momentum. And pretty soon you're like, 
this is kind of fun going to the gym. I'm like really enjoying this. I'm meeting friends and I, I'm getting a routine down and it's getting easier. My body isn't so sore, right? And, and we actually start to build this great momentum where we can actually then do a little bit more exercise. And, and pretty soon we're looking at our body and we're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> so we're seeing the payoff. So resilience is meaning that we stick with something long enough to where we're not only gaining momentum, but we're actually starting to master this skill set or this thing that we want to do. That we, no matter what happens, we can get right back on the wheel again and, and know that we're going to be all right. We're going to be just fine. So even if I'm now going to the gym and I'm exercising on a regular basis and I like twist my ankle. Or like in my case, last two years ago, I broke my wrist, right? And on, on my bike crash, right? And I could have let that been my reason for not getting back on the bike. Oh, they're too dangerous, you know, but I love biking. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get back on my bike because I enjoyed it. I had momentum. It was healthy for me. It, you know, I saw all the benefits. Mm -hmm. So, so I did, I got right back on my bike and I started riding it again with a cast on my wrist <laughs> because I loved it so much. To me, that's what resistance or resilience is, is it's that you've got so much, so much momentum going for you that you just keep doing it again and again, no matter what happens, because it's something that brings you life. You now see the benefits of it. It's now a part of your routine and it's almost like something would feel wrong if you weren't doing that thing anymore. Yes. So um, resilience also, we need to, uh, we have constant opportunities to have traumas for some reason. It's just part of being alive and being in people, I guess. Is so, and the resilience is we're constantly having to use it. It's, it's, how do you stockpile it? Is there a possible way to stockpile it so that, you don't ever run out and which is why we become depleted because we have to use our resilience all the time. And eventually it's, I, it's kind of like getting hit by a truck in my, my metaphor is that you get hit by a truck and then you think, Oh, a truck and you stand up again and another truck comes along and you get up again. And then all of a sudden there's like five trucks in a row. And then you get up on your, your wrists and you're kind of going, okay, well I'm going to, and you get hit again and you just can't anymore because you don't have any resilience left. So do you have any suggestions on how we can stockpile resilience? Boy, stockpile resilience. I don't know if you can stock. I guess the one thing that you could do to stockpile resilience, well, the piece that popped into my head, first of all, is after a while, um, the five Mack trucks become like little tiny miniature toy cars on the highway. <laughs> because you become bigger than the circumstances in your life. Mm -hmm. As you're practicing this, you become bigger than anything that shows up because your confidence in yourself and your ability to handle situations gets so much better with time. Um, but in those moments where it does feel like five Mac trucks have showed up in your path, which certainly we've all experienced, I think the key is to create an arsenal kit for yourself, a toolkit, so to speak, of ways that you're going to combat it when it shows up. And that's one of the things that I do with my clients. For example, a list of your wins and successes, the things that you're proud of. So in those moments where your brain's telling you this is never going to work, you're going to fail. What have you done? Why did you do this? This is unique. And it just starts pounding on you. Mm -hmm. You have your list of the things that you did 
and I don't care what they are. I went to, I graduated college. I finished high school, even though most people said I wouldn't, or I had, you know, I was a D student or whatever. You just create your list of successes, meaning the things that you felt proud about. And when you are in your lowest moments, you start to turn to all those resources and tools that you've been creating for yourself. Because it doesn't matter what you use. The point is that you find tools that work for you that you know are going to work for you no matter what is happening in your life. And you also, to your point, have resources or people you can turn to that are also going to help you get out of that as quickly as possible and get right back up on the horse and riding it again. So is there any particular emotion or thought pattern that you have found that has been most beneficial for you? Uh, yeah, I'd say fun and joy, fun and joy. Um, most, especially since a lot of the people I'm working with are in that burnout phase. Uh, a lot of that is because we don't allow ourselves to have fun or be in the place of joy enough. Mm -hmm. And fun is the antidote to feeling tired, exhausted. It's like when we go out and do things that are fun and are invigorating, we immediately shift out of that other state. Mm -hmm. And the more that we do that, we go do things that are fun and invigorating, the more we start to create this new pattern of feeling good, like feeling more relaxed, more calm, more resilient, mm -hmm. right? Um, because we're allowing ourselves and we're, we're giving ourselves permission to do things that allow us to be in that state of mind more. So that's why I say like dancing and, and singing and things that are fun, giving yourself permission to do those things will actually turn this, these situations around um, a lot easier and faster. And, and so that's why a lot of people are like, Danielle, you always seem like you're always in a good mood. And I said, that's intentional. Like I generate that in myself every day that sense of freedom and fun and fulfillment because a I'm a coach I want to bring bring that energy over to my clients and b I know that's the antidote to me enjoying my life and and everything does keep getting better when I stay in that state of mind things just kind of feel like they magically happen right it's pretty yeah. amazing when we're in this this space of feeling really really good wonderful so I understand that you have a gift for those people who are interested in learning more about you. Could you tell us about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I created a book. This is for um, this is perfect for people who are feeling tired, stuck, burnt out um, in work and life. And the book is called Energized. And you can order the book. Um, I actually am giving a free copy of my book. You pay shipping and handling. I pay for the book. You can actually order that book by going to orderenergized.com. There's a D at the end, orderenergized.com. And you can go to that page. It'll tell you all the details about the book so you can read about it and see if there's something you would really love. Uh, it is a very short book. And that is because I know I'm working with busy professionals. And we don't have a lot of time, so it's a very quick and easy read, so people can just jam through it as fast as possible. But what I do invite people to do is there's an opportunity to upgrade and get like the audio book if you prefer audio, or a, the workbook that allows you to just slow down when I ask those important questions and actually journal on them. And when you actually slow down and you journal on the questions, that's where you're going to recognize in your own life you know, the power of actually what thoughts you have and, and the power of shifting those thoughts. 
Wonderful. Thank you very much, Danielle, for being our guest today. Um, this is Roar to Win, and Danielle's been talking about resistance versus resilience. Uh, please go to her website, orderenergized.com, that has a D on the end of Energize, and see the gift that she has to offer us. And we will see you again. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.